Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice candy. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from. Put your dead son in the cemetery. It's him or carry. Be very afraid. You'll be our number one fan and get carried away. All working, no play, you know it always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the Wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every nards? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Welcome to Head Cannon. Tonight we have a very special guest, Mr. Noah Kinsey. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How, how about you guys? I haven't seen you guys in a minute, so this is a treat for me. I know. Yeah, yeah likewise. Likewise, yeah. yeah. So are you you're you're back in California now, right? You've been there you've been there for a while, yeah? Yeah, for for about ten years now. Okay, okay, nice. nice. So wait, weren't you in Australia? Yeah, very briefly made okay. that major mistake, but uh, <laughs> if all goes well, it's at least good fodder for one of my uh, comedy projects that I'm trying to sell. So <laughs> inspired by true events per se, but no, okay. yeah, very blinking you missed it. Right, it basically, basically it never happened. Australia basically doesn't exist, so. Yeah, your your accumulated plane rides to and from America were longer than your actual stay <laughs> in Australia. That's pretty close, actually. Pretty pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but you've heard the conspiracy theory, right, about Australia not existing? I, oh, I love this. Yeah, I've Keep heard going. a little bit about it, but yeah, what's take us deeper? Oh, it's it's actually genius because like okay, so ever since COVID hit, I have zero patience for conspiracy theories because. Like all the conspiracies around COVID literally affect people's lives. Like with the 5G, all that stuff, uh, like not a fan. This is my exception because it's actually genius because <laughs> it's based on history. So they say that Australia doesn't actually exist. And all the footage you see is New Zealand. And anybody who says they're from Australia are actors, which I can attest they're not. Um, but... The well, reason why, here, here's the thing, this is true, yeah, Paul Hogan was an actor, genius, very underrated, he got snubbed at the Oscars so many times, um, <laughs> but what's genius about it is it is based on history, so what they say is, it started with, you know how it was a penal colony for England, mm -hmm. but what they're saying is, it didn't actually exist, and where all these prisoners supposedly were transported to, instead they were just killed. But right. to make it seem like it was more humane, they made up this Australia where they sent them. But they really just killed them. That's right. why, because they were, they're never going to come home. Right. They How were really they were really just transported to the middle of the Indian Ocean. That's what. Oh, shit. 
I like that. I, I, and I like, it's kind of like, um, I like to imagine Australia at that time, kind of like, uh, alien three, right? When Sigourney Weaver goes to that, that whole <laughs> yeah. planet. That's like a yeah, penal definitely. colony. Oh, does she go to like a, like a space prison? Yeah. They crash land on this prison. It's like the whole planet is just a prison and it's just like her and all of these. If you haven't seen aliens three, it's not as good as one or two, but, uh, it gets derided a lot, but I really, I liked aliens three. I thought, I thought it was a good, good flick. See, uh, I have issues with it. Um, I have two issues with it. So for one, it kind of makes the second movie completely moot because the whole point is protect Newt. That's mm-hmm. the whole second movie. And the beginning of the third one's like, mm, she's dead. Right. So it's like, wow, I cared, <laughs> and now I just don't anymore. But also, like, it's not bad, but I have a problem with the premise where they're like, well, with sequels, we have to escalate everything. So in the second one, it's like this action where there's multiple aliens, like, and she's stuck on this, uh, she's stuck on this ship. Mm-hmm. So how do we escalate for the third one? Oh, I know the threat of her getting raped. Right. And it's like, it just feels just gross where it's like, cause in the movie, if you remember, like all these dudes are like lusting after her and it's like, ugh, like, that's true. Oh, let's not escalate like this. Eventually, you know, the second half gets better but it's just like that that initial premise just doesn't sit right, right. With me. you know i and it's been a while since i've seen the movie but that is an odd choice of like because you're right how do we escalate this and that is a weird it, it's a feels like a very lazy oh the lead character is a woman like i'm trying to imagine other movies where you're like oh how do we escalate the sequel uh, uh just uh the fear of rape the whole movie yeah like, yeah 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 so go check out aliens three boys and girls. yeah <laughs> But it does. It's directed by David Fincher, so it's got kind of a similar tone to like Seven, and uh, you can yeah. kind of tell like it feels like a David Fincher movie for sure. Yeah, yeah. They, I think the, uh, you know, the four have their distinct qualities that separate them. I mean, especially the first two. You go from a horror movie to an action movie, and they're both amazing. Yeah. Um. But even the fourth one, if you think about it, so it was written by Joss Whedon, mm-hmm. which, you know, no comment on that, but. If you think about it, what's interesting is it's very meta for uh, film franchises. So, like, that's kind of the whole point. Like, the whole thing is she's like, I thought I was dead. Like, why am I back again? And it's like beating a dead horse with franchises. It just won't die. And even she goes in that room with all those abominations, which can be, you know, metaphors for abandoned scripts for other ideas for sequels. Like you watch the fourth one and it's super, like if you look at it in the lens of commentary about not letting a franchise die, it's way better than just surface because surface like, all right, kind of trying to do a second movie, but there's certain commentary in there. It's like, okay. You know, kudos. <laughs> yeah, I you know I haven't seen that one for a long time, and I like it. Feels like with that one, they were like, "How do we up the ante on this one? Uh, just get Ron Perlman. Just just yeah. grab Ron. Just put Ron Perlman in there. Just That'll... put him in it. He's grumpy, you know, which is a Ron Perlman movie. He's grumpy. Mm-hmm. So let's put one on a rider in there. Yeah, and then and then there you go. There you go. <laughs> But I, I like that lens on it. I, I feel like I want to watch it again now. But especially that scene where she goes in and there are all those, like, aborted attempts to... I gotta say, like, that was one of the probably few effective scenes in that movie where I was like, oh, God, this is yeah. this is a lot. Where the ones like, kill me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, they're trying, but they keep ordering sequels. 
That man, that have, have you seen um, what's that Schwarzenegger movie with all the clones? The Sixth Day is that the right one, or am I thinking of a different one? No, that's the right one. Is that the one where it's like it's, it's like multi multiplicity, but with <laughs> but with, Schwarzenegger. with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it's and that's I mean, the one where he sees himself in the house with his wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I think, yeah, and I feel like and I, he thinks that that guy's an imposter, but he's actually the clone. So it's it, trick, yeah. yeah, it's something. Yeah, which I haven't seen that movie since around the time it came out. So it's been what a, you know, fifteen, twenty years. But you remember that's like the best Schwarzenegger line, which we've talked about, I think, before, where they're both they both they become in cahoots with each other and they start to work together to solve. And then they both at some point there's like an explosion or whatever, and both Schwarzeneggers turn to each other at the same time and they both go, "Cool." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's so amazing. But but it, it had a similar scene that just like had this like terrifying effect on me where, and I think it was the villain from. I'm pretty sure it was the guy from Ghost. I could be wrong, but I think it was the villain in Ghost who. Oh, Whoopi Goldberg. Yes. <laughs> yes, Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, but in this movie, it's where she sang those church songs. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it! Those... I will follow him. <laughs> Follow him because he's a clone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, but no, it's like this villain, and he, like the thing is, he keeps cloning himself anytime he gets injured or anything, or maybe he's got a disease or something. But he keeps cloning himself, and there's just this terrifying scene where he gets shot, he gets like mortally wounded, and then like another clone of him comes out of the vat, and he's like, ah, I'm the real me now. I'm gonna take care of business. But then, like, the clone, like, the last version of him that's dying is like, no, please, please, I'm I ha- I'm my own being, like, I have feelings, I'm dying. And he's like, shut up, and just, like, kills the previous version of himself. I'm like, oh, God, oh, my God, that's that's so disturbing. Isn't there, like, isn't there like a part of it where, like, the clone messes up the process or something like that, and he comes out, like, gooey? I think that happens, it's been a long time since I've yeah, seen that movie. Yeah, 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 right? it comes out early or something. Right? He's like, it goes to yeah. the easy bake clone oven. Right. It was like the last Michael Keaton clone. It was like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, or Which like is a... kind of sad and almost like, like not a very good thing. <laughs> it was like a transporter malfunction in Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But so, well, and well, I was, I was about to jump into the movie we're talking about tonight, but I want to ask uh, Noah, just since I haven't talked to you for a while what have you been up to lately i feel like you're always up to interesting stuff and i haven't had a chance to talk to you in a a long time uh (laughs) lots um so i have my own projects but right now there's nothing that uh i can really talk too much about Mm -hmm. but uh prime but right now what i can talk about is i work for funko studios as the production manager so we you know uh recently let's see we just finished helping a documentary about the history of black Barbie. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. Funko, uh, the toy we... company? Funko, F-O-N-C-O, not Funko. Okay. So okay. Funko. Um, but whenever I, I answer the phone, people are like, Funko? Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I got your no. fucking hand solo doll on my, on my, on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, one of, the, one of the things I do is I work for uh, a production company called Funko Studios. That's like an a la carte. Um, like we have our own stages, we create a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, the head of the company is Fawn Davis. He worked on the Star Wars prequels, worked on a Godzilla 
movie, uh, I'm trying to think, Six. No, uh, yeah, Six. Not Six Sense. Um, what's the one? Fifth Element. Oh my God, the, way off. <laughs> Galaxy Quest. The Sixth uh, Day with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. So we worked on the first season of Mandalorian. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so we've we've worked like on a lot of a lot of really cool stuff. Some I can't talk about right now just because NDAs are annoying, but right. I don't want to get sued. Um, but I can't talk about some cool stuff. We made these puppets for this uh, short film that was like a PSA against conversion therapy. Okay. That came out. It was really, really cool because sadly that's still legal in a lot of states and it's gross. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was really cool. Patton Oswald was the voice of the therapist in this. Awesome. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, yeah. We just did a music video for Darren Hayes. He was the lead singer of Savage Garden. Which is awesome. He was just the coolest. So yeah, a lot of really cool stuff. Like I said, I have my own stuff, but hopefully the next time I'm on here I can talk yeah. a little bit more about that. So I also have a podcast called The Coffee Time Podcast with Noah Kinsey. It's on a hiatus right now, uh, but I sometimes have guests, sometimes it's just me. Every episode talks about a specific topic. My whole thing is, I guess I don't care what people believe in as long as you have the facts. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people have very, very, very strong beliefs about things that they don't actually know the reality about. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which is, of my biggest ones was the Confederate flag and monument episode because you had a lot of people saying getting rid of all that erases history. Uh, and what I discuss in the podcast is the fact that, yeah, uh, a lot of that history that you've learned isn't really real. And the Confederate flag you're so worried about, there were three Confederate flags that they used during the war, and the one that we have now was never one of those. Right, it was like the Vir- one, it was like the Virginia battle flag or something, right? Uh, the so, battle flag of Northern Virginia. Only, yeah. But this flag was specifically put up uh, back in Strom Thurmond's early days when he was a spry young man, <laughs> and it was a direct screw you to the federal government for desegregating. Mm-hmm. That's this specific flag. And when it comes to monuments, the two times where the majority of monuments went up during Jim Crow era and during the civil rights movement. So when you're looking at all, and, and I break it down way more than that, but it's like when you look at that, even the original three, one of the original three flags was considered, was called, the nickname was the white man's flag. So like, like you can believe what you want to believe, but at least have the facts behind it. Right. Um, and, so, so that's what I do. Like I said, I'll get back to that soon, but you know, that's available wherever. So I've needless to say, and having a wife and kids needs to say, uh, I'm a very busy guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, and it's, it's so weird. A lot of that stuff. Cause it was like that same time, like either the Jim Crow era or the, uh, civil rights era where they were like putting, god and everything and the pledge of allegiance and like on money and everything and it's yeah. and you know people just assume that it's always they're like this is this is america was built on this you're like oh that's not it's not it's like 70 years old like it's not even it's not even like so so all that stuff was just it was it's, it's like when pepsi has like a summer commercial that they they portray <laughs> you know like remember that like the chill out whatever they did this thing <laughs> where you 
turn your hand around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was like what they did was they were like they they just put God into everything and then created a, a racist flag. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. It's <laughs> good PR, man. You. Yeah. No, they're great. And <laughs> they're really great. And yeah. no, because here's the deal. So, <laughs> and I talk about it. But, like, they always say the history is written by the victors. Mm-hmm. Well, when it comes to Civil War, uh-uh. Because after the war was done, in order to reconcile and try and, like, mend fences, the Union really kind of gave a little to the South. And the South destroyed a ton of documents, got rid of a whole bunch of stuff. That's why... Even I grew up in Michigan. Even I in history learned that the Civil War wasn't because of slavery, it was because of states' rights, which is very inaccurate. But, like, typically, if you've read, there's so many amazing books about the Civil War, and I've done a deep dive. I've read a ton of them over the years. But honestly, the only book you need to read to get the full scope of it is the book If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. <laughs> <laughs> because that totally explains everything that happened after the Civil War was over. Right. Because you just gave them a little bit, and they just took the ball and ran, and we're seeing the repercussions of that now. I mean, it's not going away, and it's seriously, it's because this, the North wanted to, like, no hard feelings that we kick your ass kind yeah. of thing, and the South is like, oh, there's hard feelings. Right. And we're going to rewrite everything <laughs> yeah. where we're not the bad guys. Right. Yeah, that's true, and I do. I do feel a lot of like the, a lot of the problems in this country stems back to the fact that there was never any like, clear stomping out of of racism or like the you know the, kind of remnants of slavery in the South. There was never any like no, we're gonna like stamp this out. It was like yeah, we'll just let the flames smolder and we'll let the embers just sit there and you know it just keeps flaring back up. Well, and you have this romanticism. I mean, even think about Gone with the Wind. You you have this movie where it's poor Scarlet, like her family were really good people and those slaves loved working for them so much so that when they're freed and the terrible northerners came, there were some there were some former slaves that were going to attack Scarlet. But the slaves that worked for her, they saved her life from those mongrels like you have all this stuff and you have and even just this past year, the host of The Bachelor got fired, first got suspended and got fired for standing up for that one bachelor or the, one of the women who had a, in her college had an antebellum party mm-hmm. where they all dressed up as that. And he's like, well, it was back. Well, it was like 2014. And right. like, as, as the as black woman accurately said to him, like if I was at that party for the antebellum party, how do you think I would have had to dress to fit the, the <laughs> like right. you still, it's just this normalization and romanticism that has been allowed to fester and it manifests in different ways. So you, you not only, you don't have the overt racist, it's the people who enable or who look the other way or minimize or any of that stuff. And I mean, we're seeing it today and we probably will for a long time. And it really stems back to them being allowed to rewrite their own history. Yeah, no, that's true. And it's true with, with racism. And I feel like so many things like like one you know sexual assault popped into my head but there are so many things where people like to think 
oh, it's monsters that do that. Like, it's boogeymen that jump out of the bushes and say, I hate black people. I'm a Ku Klux Klan member. You know, and it's like, no, most, like, most of the, you know, just to stick with racism, like, most of the racism that, racism that happens every day in this country, the people perpetrating those things would tell you, and they would absolutely believe it. They would say, no, I'm not a racist, but, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, and, and so like most people perpetrating like those ideologies and those actions will tell you, and they will 100% believe that they're not racist because they don't, you know, they just don't analyze what they're thinking or feeling or doing. Yeah. You know? And a lot of them are saying like racism in this country doesn't exist. Right. Like I've heard Yeah. That Cause before. Obama was elected president. So therefore it, it was cured. Right. Yeah. 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 Ra- racism doesn't exist. There's no such thing as racism. Uh, you know, but it just happens to be that I believe that uh, black people just choose not to go to school and they're all monsters that like fight each other and kill each other in the street and they all go into prison because they're all criminals who deserve it. But racism definitely doesn't exist. It's like, what, what yeah, the fuck? But, but you like, don't even have to go that extreme. You can look at the, the welfare queen, that myth that Ronald Reagan made up, right. where it's like there's still there is this belief that more black people get welfare than any other group. And that's just specifically not true. doesn't even have to be the extreme stuff. It's just this passive racism. That really is the big problem because you have people who consider themselves modest. You even have doctors who, when you look at the opioid crisis, there's more white people who had have issues with opioids than black people, which part of that problem and I'm not saying I want more black people on it, because trust me, I've done the deep dive on the Sacklers and Purdue. But one of the issue, one of the reasons why more black people haven't fallen to that hole is because in the medical community, there's still a large percentage of medical professionals who believe that black people have a higher tolerance for pain than white people. Mm-hmm. That they don't even look at pain management. Now I'm completely against opioids. I'm all about that CBD joint, but like. <laughs> But, like, you look at that and it's just in, in all these institutions for people who don't think that they're racist, that they are. Like, right. a lot of assumptions that lead people's lives are that racist. Right. Like, well, those and, tendencies. Yeah, and even if it's not a conscious thing, if they don't think, like, oh, you know, um, you know, black people can handle pain better than white people or – I don't think it's even a conscious thing. They just – when a white man tells them – oh, this hurts, I need some kind of relief. I think they're just more apt to, oh, I believe, like, he knows what he's talking about. I I trust what he's telling me. And so he needs this prescription. Whereas a black person tells them, I'm having this pain, I'm having this experience. They go, hmm, are you really? Like, are you really having that? Or like, how? what do I think about what you're saying you feel? And I don't think it's even like a conscious thing necessarily. It's just... No, it isn't. In that moment... in a certain system so that's why it's easier for people to believe in that stuff i mean you even look at like didn't really come around during the george floyd stuff as much as it did earlier on where people like oh you know black people being killed by cops and then you have people like richard spencer be like well what about black on black violence and you have people being like huh let's hear those statistics whereas you should have been like what about it? Like, how does that have any? How does one have anything to do with the other? Right. Like, uh, <laughs> like that. It just doesn't. So it's based, or even saying, I need to see more of the footage to see if the cop was justified. Like, why? Like, <laughs> why? Right. Why do you? You don't. Well, There's no justification for ending a life 
when it looks like for nine minutes, it looked like they weren't fighting back. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and I've, you know, one and even like crime statistics and the fact that I, I, it seems fairly simple to me that like, it should be easy to understand that crime statistics come from cops, right? Like it comes from the police. Yeah. From What's the police. actually reported versus what just conveniently forgot to be written down. Right, exactly. And it's like, you know, if you police any area, the, the more heavily you police an area, the more crime, you know, the higher the crime statistics there are going to be because there are more people being caught for things they may or may not have done. I mean, you know, and obviously the rates of like uh, false convictions and, you know, people being on death row for stuff they didn't do and people getting uh you know they go back and visit it later and like oh actually they didn't do this they were just convicted for this reason you know it's like black people have a much higher rate of of you know false convictions and all that stuff but it's like you know if if we policed even like wealthy white areas the way that we police poor black neighborhoods if you had police just driving around all the time grabbing people for whatever like I, i knew kids that grew up in white wealthy areas like they they're doing drugs like they're they're like their parents are popping pills their dads are beating their moms like i i knew those rich white kids and there's there's not you know it's They'd not be the, pulling over so many oddies yeah exactly uh, with, yeah with you like know, just like taking with, drugs with drunk teenagers at the wheel yeah the teenagers yeah. just like fucked up driving daddy's audi the thing is those kids don't get pulled over they just go home you know yeah and you know, yeah it's it's all fat it's all ingrained and until you work on the institutions and just be real about it. And context is super important. People pick and choose, you know, statistics all the time without actually looking at the context. Right. Yeah. And then they listen to those people on the news because they trust them. And, you know, they, Tucker Carlson is one of those where, Ooh, like he says a lot of stuff, but then you look at the actual context and you're like, Oh, it's not actually what he's, what, what he claimed it was. Right. Yeah. yeah, I went down like a small Tucker Carlson rabbit hole just to like because I'd never heard of him before. And t- this is weird. It's like two months ago. Like I'd wow, you were you were a much happier person two months ago. <laughs> well, I was before I did that, and I was like, whoa. And I'm I don't even need to give examples. Just YouTube anything. Like it's it, right. he, he was so weird. Have Have you seen? Did you see the interview where back before he was even on Fox? It was like him and another guy had this show. And they had John Stewart on as a guest. Yeah, cr- have you it seen was that? Crossfire. Yep. Was it Crossfire? And, was that the show? It, yeah. I know Carlson I've seen it, but I said, it was you're on. you're a lot funnier on your show. And John Stewart says something like, "You're just as big of a dick on your show." Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and the whole thing, he's like, he's like, "Don't you have a responsibility to the truth?" And 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 John Stewart is like, "The show that leads into my show." is puppets making crank phone calls. He's like, you're on an actual news network. Like, no, your job is to present the news. And the fact that I'm doing a better job of it after a show where, like, puppets are jerking off, like, that's a problem. Something is wrong there, you know? Yeah. And that's a bummer because, like, any Tuckle... Tuckle? uh, Any (laughs) Tuckle... Oh, I will call him that. Any Tuckle Carlson viewer is, like, is, is, is just, like, hate is like hate watching John Stewart say all that stuff. It yeah. just like it just bounces right off their brains and you know goes the other way. That's, right. and that's a shame. Like it's it's like they're so they're so ingrained in their belief system that like a one John Stewart even who probably made I need to watch that clip again. But made these amazing comments. But then like 
they just fill to you know deaf ears. Yeah. Well, that's... yeah. Well, because Tucker Carlson permits them to be angry, he gives them they're already mad, and he tells them that they're right to be mad. And in fact, here's what else you should be mad about. Ooh. And that's the same thing as well, people sir. going. <laughs> same be the reason that people go on Facebook, and then they get they get outraged at a headline. For some article it's because they were already mad and they go onto facebook and be like i'm mad why am i mad and then they see an article they've never seen before like yeah. that's why i'm mad <laughs> and, and you know they 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 attach an algorithm which this recently came out a couple weeks ago yeah, where with a whistleblower yeah we're like if, if if you make the emoji of, of like the angry face that's worth like five points to the algorithm but if you if you just do a like that's worth just like one point so then they feed you more of those furious like types of articles that you that would make you mad. Really? Yeah, because it feeds into that, and it it's doom scrolling that they profit off of because of advertising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have I have based on what we talked about, I've formulated my headcanon based what? on this. Oh, <laughs> you have it already? Okay, good, good. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> Damn, was that? that your segue into talking about Joss? Yeah. <laughs> no, because it works. Yeah, yeah, no, it I just works, had that yeah. in the chamber like five minutes ago. I was like, oh, that'll be funny whenever we get real deep into convo. No. I'll just say, hey, I developed my head cannon based on what we talked about. No, that's that's a brilliant segue. And I do well, – one thing, one thing I do want to mention real quick, and then we should get into the movie at some point. But and By the way, is this the most I'm political – right You can talk about this the whole time. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> Is this the most political podcast episode you've done for this show? Or yes, and you know what else, man? What I wanted to mention earlier. <laughs> I don't know if I should apologize for that. No, don't, oh, don't apologize. apologize. I'm having a great this time. This is what I talk about. You're, online, the so. first, <laughs> you're the first guest that we've had back from the early days when we did Dangerous Explosion, like in my Which garage, and you, we did this like Skype thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're the first person to come remember. back and do it again. That we did Skype with. Yeah, I'm honored. I am honored. <laughs> that's right. This that's is cool. Right. Well, and and just one one more thing about media that's gotten really weird because I, you know, I was in high school and I graduated in 2002, right? So I so I was like becoming adult right at the beginning of the George W. Bush era, and it's so strange to me that when I was a kid or when I was that age, it was left leaning people like myself who were saying you know, yo, the media is like, they're like five or six media companies. They're all owned by giant corporations and they're all like perpetuating these lies. You know, the, the, the Bush administration is trying to go to war, trying to tie it to nine 11 with these very tenuous claims. And there's like really no justification for us going to war. We should all be very, you know, what's the word? Wary. Wary. Yeah. Yeah. Wary. Um, of what we're getting from this corporate media because it's owned by these people who are billionaires they have these you know corporate interests and etc etc so i feel like a lot of people were saying that like left-leaning people and as we kind of got older that message was was you know people who were a little more right-leaning leaning kind of attached themselves to it and we were saying hey we need to all be uh wary of what this corporate media is saying and just really look at skeptical sorry that's the word i've been trying to fucking think of skeptical we should be you should be skeptical you know look where the news is coming from look at the 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 motivations and the sources and you know use occam's razor what what is probably true what may be a bending of reality and just be skeptical and it feels like people who are more right-leaning took leaning took that and they were like 
oh, so I'm just going to disbelieve everything I ever hear on a mainstream from mainstream news and I'm just going to choose believe, to believe whatever fucking batshit insane theory sounds best to me that I can find on the internet. And and people at least for me and I think probably other people like myself are like no 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 no. We we didn't mean to go that far. Like oh they're gone. They've just they've run off with <laughs> right. it and they're just like in fucking la la land. You know, and so you but but the crazy thing is they have these like quote unquote alternative media sources like OAN or Newsmax or whatever, which are every bit as biased and corporate and, you know, as anything in the quote unquote mainstream media. But I don't know. They're like decrying mainstream media while getting the, all of their information from what's basically just right wing mainstream media, you know, like it's wild. Yeah. It's crazy. And then, and it's so funny because Fox news has answered that call about uh you know oh the media you can't be trusted and fox news always talks about mainstream media but the the problem with that is fox news has the highest ratings of all they are mainstream media right they're the most mainstream they are the most mainstream media of all of them and it's but yet when the way they're filed with the fcc they're news entertainment that way they get sued less so they're not actually news because they know they could be liable right but if they're news entertainment they can say whatever the hell they want um, and they're all vaccinated they're right. all vaccinated but you have tucker carlson being all skeptical because that's his audience right um and it's 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 fascinating that 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 happens like what you're saying yeah and you know it so a lot of it has to just do with there's certain people like I think it was Brian Williams claimed he was on some helicopter during Afghanistan and he oh, wasn't really. And then even like personally, I think Chris Cuomo needs to be fired because when his brother was having all the sexual uh, sexual harassment claims against him, Chris Cuomo was on those conference calls with his brother and like, how do we spin this? What do we say? All this stuff. Yeah. Chris Cuomo claims, he's like, well, you know, I, I didn't influence anything at CNN. Like, I didn't influence how things were covered. You did, but you didn't because, you know, you're you're a very big member of CNN. They're going to kind of follow your lead. And even people talking to you in the hallway can potentially skew what's being said. The fact of the matter is, if you're wanting to maintain being a trusted journalist, you really have to step away. I get it to your brother, then quit. Like, if you really, truly want to be in your brother's side, I don't get it because your brother's gross and he <laughs> lied about all those nursing home deaths. But, but I get it. I get it. You're Italian. It's all about family. Like, freaking just then quit. You can't do yeah. both and still be trusted. You just, you just can't. Right. So, it, I mean, so it's just it, both sides are very guilty doing the same stuff now it's a matter of degrees don't get me wrong (laughs) um but the fact of the matter is when it's convenient that stuff tends to happen and you you lose your moral high ground yeah well and and i think uh one thing that makes it harder for people on the left in general but people in in positions like that whether it's on the news or politicians or whatever i think there are a couple things but but when it's you know, when there are scandals or anything comes out about them do wrongdoing or doing it, you know, any kind of like malfeasance, people on the left will be like, oh, that guy fucked up. Get him out. We're done with him. 
right? And that's from like people like Chris Cuomo or, you know, all the way down to like somebody like Al Franken, which is like, yeah, was the thing that he did okay? No. Did, did he deserve to like, is it, was it beneficial for him to like resign and like lo- lose his job and everything? I don't know about all that, you know, but it's, but on the, on the right, like, you know, it could be like, we have a video of, of the governor, like, uh, you know, like literally. Well, you had Roy Moore. Roy, I mean, this, exactly. This a yeah. real it's... example of Roy Moore patrolling school dances in his late thirties. Right. Like, or, or even, or even like Donald Trump, who's like, yeah, I ran the Miss Teen America pageant and I would like go in there and perv on naked teenagers, like some, something yeah. he's literally admitted to. And everybody on the right's like. No, we're okay with that. That's okay. Like, there's just no, there's literally nothing that can happen to where they would like turn on their people, right? They're just like loyal to, it doesn't even, like, I feel like Donald Trump, a lot of his supporters, he could like walk in and shoot their mothers in the head and they'd be like, well, that was probably Antifa, you know? And he, he could yeah. be like, he could be like, my name is Donald J. Trump and I'm shooting your mother between the eyes. And they'd be like, like, oh, that's a deep fake from the deep state. Exa- that's yeah, that's really the CIA Antifa. doing that's, this. That's, George Soros. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think two things. For one, I completely agree. When you're when you're conservative, what you're taught is it does not matter. If someone else is conservative, they're on your side. It doesn't matter what they did. They're conservative. The end. We're going to stick by them no matter what. Whereas with, with the liberals, it's, it's really frustrating to watch them try and outwoke each other all the time. Right. Like I've seen, I mean, I don't really... I'm not even on Facebook anymore, but like seeing liberals who are literally on the same side of things argue, like splitting hairs and arguing just to prove one is more woke than the other one. But the other thing that I see all the time because of like the comparison you're saying, yeah, I hear that all the time. I see that all the time. I think at the end of the day, uh, liberals just need to accept that they that it's not a level playing field when it comes to calling out their own people as it is with the conservatives because I hear that like they bemoan it all the time oh we had you know like this conservative did the stupid stupid stuff this liberal did something sort of stupid and we have to get rid like they'll jump on that but this is like no it's not a level playing field just get over it move on accept it and act accordingly because it'll never be a level playing field right. ever it's just right. not gonna happen <laughs> and the more liberals like bemoan that it's just like but you, got, you gotta do something like you you gotta just accept it yeah. and conservatives are changed they figured that out just have guns in the background to show that you're super duper american have an american flag you know yell about socialism and right. then, like, you're golden. You're good. You're like, part of the you're, team. You're good. You have an alliance for life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Let's let's jump into the movie. So what – I think we briefly mentioned it That's earlier. Good. But, Noah, what, what movie did you want to talk about tonight? Let's talk about The First Jaws. The First Jaws. I like this. Such a good movie. A classic, really. It's, it's still a classic. It, it, it's still – the best shark movie that's ever been made yeah um i'm very it's one of my favorite movies of all time uh it was the the first official like blockbuster movie Mm -hmm. um 1975 was it 1978 75 75 uh 
So I think the second best one would be The Shallows with Blake Lively until the very, very end. I haven't seen um, that. That just ends in legislative. It's fantastic. And what the only reason I'm bringing it up is for some reason, people who make shark movies have not figured out, have not learned the lesson from Jaws. And that's including the, the sequels. They didn't learn this lesson either is it's not about the shark that makes it a good movie. It's about the human experience and the human emotion. Like it's the same. My problem with why I don't like zombie movies and shows is because we don't really give a shit about the zombies they're not really interesting we care about the human experience dealing in a world with zombies Mm -hmm. or dealing in this case dealing in a world with this shark that's just killing people and you have this police chief that's trying to keep people safe despite all the officials just wanting it to be over because i mean how, how appropriate is this for this time where it's like we can't shut down the businesses this is our economy right we can't do it i don't know what the danger i mean like yeah there's the danger we can't do it. our economy right yeah pe- people are open yeah people are dying but we can't close down yeah yeah we just can't do it this is our economy it would cause it to crash what do you ta- so what like it, it, it's so it still applies today sadly yeah yeah quint is like you'll be on welfare by by the summer yeah yeah yeah, you'll be on. And there's politicians like we have to keep the businesses open for my career, and I mean that same thing with like closing down businesses with the pandemic, like all this stuff. It's just it's real, you know. Yeah. And yeah, but it's just it's a fantastic movie. Thank God the mechanical shark kept crapping out during production. Yeah. So Steven Spielberg had to create that tension with shadows and with music and. That was the best thing that could have happened to this movie. I mean, the shark looked cool when you saw it, but it was done so little that, like, it just, you have to sit in their world. Like, you have to sit with that fear of the unknown. Yeah. Which I think. Even when, like, the fishermen are on the dock and they just take, like, the, uh, I don't know what it was, like a rump roast and just, like, put a hook in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like such, like, you're like, oh, man, that shark is going to tear that fucking dock up. So (laughs) good. And he did. But you don't see the shark. You just see, which I thought was interesting, even like the dock that got ripped off, right? Yeah. Because like the, the dock gets ripped off. But even like there's these like two posts that are reminiscent even of like an alligator or something that's like peeking its head up on the water. And you get like the snout of the alligator would be like the jettisoned um, dock that's coming up. Mm. And you get to, you know, like it turns eventually and goes towards the fisherman guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, that mean, reminds it's, me. It's brilliant because the ocean's scary as shit. Like, oh, yeah. that's a shark's house. You're walking in. I mean, it, it'd be the same thing as just blindly walking into a Texan's house. Like, <laughs> it's going to be dangerous. He's going to have a gun. Yeah. Right. And, and, He's going to have a big spread on the whole room. So, oh, like, so I love it. I love that you just can't see the shark because it's just, it's, more real than a lot of the CGI sharks we see. This movie made people scared to take a shower. (laughs) (laughs) This movie made me scared to go into some hotel pools, for sure. Yeah. You know, I used to, there was an apartment I lived in, in Bloomington, where, like, it was like $350 a month, something like that. It was like a little one-bedroom apartment, cheap little apartment. And I love that apartment. You know what apartment I'm talking about. I was there for a couple years. Uh, Yeah. But it was like all the dudes around me, there was this like old, there was this old dude that lived 
There's people that were divorced. It was... <laughs> just all around you. Just people yes. were divorced. You yeah. lived there. And then there was you. Right. Well, it was either that or like, and everybody there were like, or on drugs or selling drugs. And like, there was, <laughs> there was a lot of, there was a and lot you were of. Both. And I, yeah, exactly. I was right at home. You divorced that, people and did drugs. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I performed the divorces <laughs> while we were all wasted. But so it was there, you know, there were times where I would be like taking a shower and I was on the second floor. So I knew there were people behind me and I had this like recurring image of them either just getting in a fight or like fucking around with guns or something beneath me. And I had this like recurring, I would have to, t- I would be like, no, stop thinking about it. Stop it. But I would just be in the shower, like imagining bullets coming up through the floor. And, and I don't oh, know why shit. that was just a thing. I was like, this, this could happen. Cause like, I know what they're doing beneath me right now, you know? <laughs> But, but but there was also this like you knew what they were doing beneath you right now right yeah, yeah. they're just polishing guns haphazardly like with full full clips I oh mean, yeah not just like a couple bullets yeah not exercising gun safety at all at all by any means like looking down the barrel as they're cleaning it yeah <laughs> just the bullet passes through their brain through the floor and just like right into your like abdomen right yeah and I'd be like oh no I've got their brains in me. <laughs> that's right <laughs> but there was also there was this old dude oh man he had to be like right around 80 but he was like this gruff old man who would always invite me in and like just give me a glass of vodka but he he always had like old westerns and shit playing on his tv and uh he was just this like old gray-haired dude who just sat down there by himself all the time and so like i'd go visit him and keep him company because he didn't really have any other company but he would always just like tell me the wildest stories about when he was younger. And I was like, holy shit, old man. Like, did he tell you about the time that for a week he was stranded in the middle of the Pacific ocean and <laughs> one by one, the sharks came and but yeah. took his buddies. Once the USS oh, Indianapolis crap. Yeah. Sunk. <laughs> that was Quinn. <laughs> yeah. Which what a great story. <laughs> those. I, I love that scene. And I love how those guys start out with, like Quint, you know, Quint and Hooper, Richard Dreyfuss's character, obviously like not getting along, but then they grow to like kind of respect each other and they're swapping scars and like war stories and all that. And then Quint just like launches into this monologue about like the most terrifying experience. Well, like if I can go back for just a second, Quint's like scar stories, like are not as cool Mm -mm. as as the Dreyfus. Like his are more like I had hypertension and had this like thing removed. You know, it's like right. Dreyfus is like fucking Mako Shark bit the shit out of my leg. Right. Well, and then, and then man, the funniest part is when he like opens his shirt and he's like this right here, and Roy Scheider's character is like, "You're wearing a sweater because <laughs> his chest is so hairy." And I have to, I was like, was that in the script or was that just a spur of the moment? I don't know. But then he says like this scar right here, and it's because some girl broke his heart. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. I think at some point in there, Brody looks at his own, like, appendicitis scar, but it looks like he's looking at his dick, and he's just like, (laughs) I like how he looks at the scar, and then he's, because he wants to join in. He wants to be part of this, like, bonding, but then he looks, he's like, realizes that there's not a story there, like, it would be kind of lame. Yeah. Like, appendicitis. Like, I was real sick once. (laughs) Yeah. Which, which, like, what a cool, unnecessary, but like interesting character moment to just put in there, you know? And I feel like there yeah. are a lot of these in the in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love it. I think his character is fan, 
just fantastic. Um, and just, it's, yeah, so like with Richard Dreyfus and with Quint, it's like you have the book smart versus street smart. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's like they have a common goal. And so that's kind of why they bond. And, you know, and, and Roy Scheider's character is just, he's afraid of the water to begin with. Right. So it's like, if anything, this movie proves him right. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's so funny. You're afraid of water, but then you're going to move to an island. Right. <laughs> Which they, they comment on a number of times in the movie. And at one point, he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, it makes about as much sense as a guy who's afraid of water moving to an island. And then Roy Scheider's like, he's like, oh, it only looks like an island from the water. And he's like, oh, yeah, all right, all right valid. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I like that. But no, and the movie has such great quotes that still are used. Like, we're going to need a bigger boat. I mean, they literally made a production company called Bad Hat Harry. Like, I mean, this is a very influential movie. Like I said, I don't fully get why other shark movies didn't, including the sequels, didn't learn from this. Because this really gave the blueprint of how you make a successful shark movie. Mm-hmm. And it's really about the people. You know, who, yeah, sharks are scary, but okay. And then, like, what? why am I interested in watching this? Like, yeah, they're scary as shit. But that's not a movie. What the movie is is how those people are are dealing with that. And this movie just it's fascinating. You're learning I mean, this is a living, breathing city, a town. Mm-hmm. That like you're feeling the mixed emotions of all these people. You're experiencing the mom who lost her kid because yeah. the mayor wanted to keep things open, but at the end of the day, the sheriff is going to be the face of safety there, and so she's going to blame him. Yeah, she's going to blame like Roy. When they, when they caught that the the, the not Jaws shark, right? <laughs> and like the mayor, the mayor's like just he was like, okay, yeah, you can cut it open, but don't cut it open. I don't want that little Kintner boy spilling out all over the dock. Yeah, yeah. in front of all these cameras, <laughs> that would look bad. Yeah, it would be bad PR, bad press. It'd be the optics on that would be terrible. (laughs) But no, and I like talking about that scene with the mom. I like how she comes up and she's grieving. She's all in black and she's like, this is your fault. You knew, you know, there was something going on and you just let everyone go to the beach. And she leaves. And I love when the mayor's like, he's like, I don't, don't sweat it. She's wrong. You know, and Brody's like, no, she's not. You know, she's absolutely right. You know? Yeah, it was, it's. It's just so well done. I mean, I, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but like it, it still stands up too. Like you watch it now, and it does not even feel aged. Like it's even done in a way where it doesn't even the technology. You know, you just watch some movies, and you're like, okay, this is definitely a time capsule from the '80s with the mm-hmm. technology. But this I will one say is like, like pretty timeless. Yeah, beaches, beaches in the '80s in movies. They'd never look fun. No. <laughs> 80s beaches and movies, they look boring and hot, and no one is having fun. Everyone is, like, sitting around, like, kind of, like, poking at the sand and shit. Right. Well, until the mayor comes around and tells them, hey, go out there and swim. Everyone's scared, <laughs> so go. That family go is, like... sacrificial lamb. Yeah, yeah and the family looks so worried. <laughs> yeah, I would be, too. Yeah. I don't know if I'd be at the beach, though. Like, I think if I was so scared of a shark, I'd probably stay at home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because my why would you go off in the water? Right. I guess it's to watch, like, all of those weird fishermen who, like, every single one of them look like different incarnations of Popeye. Like, running around. Like, they're, like, 
trolling around in their boats with guns. Like, it's just like that. Remember that, like, a year ago, like, Trump had that, like, weird uh, yeah. like, boat rally? Do you remember that boat rally? Oh, yeah. Where, like, yeah, all, where all had their... And a bunch what? of them crashed. Or one of them, like, capsized. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And one caught on fire. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, the most dangerous <laughs> situation ever. You know, it, it was, like, everybody... Like every, every in a boat. You know, it, you're going up and down. Yeah. That's so, and there's people all over the coast. Well, I think they never they never recovered from like the uh, the beach movies of like the nineteen fifties, right? <laughs> like where it was all the teens dancing at the beach, and they you know they've just never ever since then beach movies have just been downhill. Yeah. There's no. But I did notice they had those like weird changing stations in the Jaws movie. Did you mm. see those like circus tent looking like little boxes? You go in and put like your one piece on. Well, they still have those out here. They do. Oh yeah, they have. Oh cool! Stations. I've never, I've never yeah. seen that. Oh, that's oh. a thing. Well, because oh, parking know. is so far from the beach. I mean, there's, yeah. it's just convenient to have those. But yeah, those are still a thing. Oh okay, hmm. cool. <laughs> you know, a, a random thing very early in this movie. I like when the, you know, Brody like gets up and he goes to the station because they found this girl's body. Or no, 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 they got a report that she's missing. So he's going to check it out. And I love, like, the overtalk is, like, the secretary doesn't know what's going on. And she's, like, telling him all this bullshit. And he's, like, talking to his deputy or whatever who's, like, a bumbling idiot. And there's, like, so much going. It's, like, chaos. But I love, it's it's barely mentioned. But she's, like, you've got to take care of these kids who are karate chopping picket fences. That's right. And, and, and then he's, like, later he's walking by. He's like trying. up the... And, and then it has the picket fences that are all chopped over. And the guy's like, you got to do something about my picket fence. He's like, I don't, not right now. I'm busy right now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> They're just karate chopping the fence. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's good. Because you know what it reminded me of? The whole thing, the whole Amity, reminds me of like Mayberry. Right. And he's, yeah. like, and he's, goddamn, he's, got, he's goddamn Andy Griffith. Right. Yeah. And everybody's just coming up to him with their problems. Like, oh, chief, you got to help me. And he's like, there's a... Sh- fucking shark eating people i don't have time for karate chopping kids right now you know? that's also very Look, very real yeah. those johnson boys have gotten into my tomatoes again <laughs> it's like people are being right yeah, yeah they're like i know something way more serious is going on but what about my minor inconvenience like when are you gonna solve that that's super important like right that's real life like yeah. that's very relatable well and that's and to go back to what you were saying about being on the beach and kind of like you know, to kind of drawing a parallel between this movie and, and COVID times, which has been done by other, I mean, it's a very obvious parallel. Other people have done it. It's, it's been said, but like thinking about the people on the beach and how, yeah, if there were a shark there, I wouldn't be anywhere near the water. And even that, like the chief, he's like, he, he, he tells his kids like, uh, go over in the pond. I was like, fuck, I wouldn't have my kids anywhere near the water, you know, yeah, which, which kind of mirrors what's that? What, what, because what, what fucking happened? Like, as soon as like there was like a little bit of like opening up of like of like cities and shit, like people rushed down to Florida, and they 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 filled the beaches. Up. Right, and they all yeah. got COVID. <laughs> and they all died. They all died of COVID. Right. <laughs> but but yeah, yeah but... The, the, the attendance of all colleges all across America dropped dramatically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are zero college students right now. <laughs> But, but it's just so weird. Like it's it's all the parents that should know better that still take their kids to the water, mm-hmm. and then they're like shocked when all this stuff happens, and you know they're the outraged ones, and it's all this stupid 
stupid inconvenience. I mean, even like now, kind of going back to the COVID thing, you have parents who are so mad that their kids have to wear masks. Now I tell you, I have two daughters, uh, one, six, one, eight, and like, they just pop on a mask. They don't care. Yeah. They need to wear a mask to school. Okay. My youngest just pops it on in the car on the way to school. Like the only people, the only people who are making a big deal about this are the parents. Same thing with like the vaccinations where it's like, Parents are like, oh, no, not mandatory vaccinations. That's never happened. And it's like all this stuff. And it's like, okay, so we transferred uh, like our girls from one school to another. And we had to prove that they had all the vaccinations that they've had to have since first grade. Right. So like, like, well, my wife had to do (laughs) like. Right. MMR and DTAP and fucking all that. She's awesome. Yeah, because my wife's just the best oh, yeah. thing in the history of the world um oh, yeah. but no offense to all other women it's just you know <laughs> no you're right facts. yeah def- but, no um, no your wife is definitely but, like, better than mine it's so. just kind of the whole point is yeah. just like i tell my wife why can't you be more like Noah <laughs> you know what and that that is a fair question she can't get mad at you because you have a point <laughs> but, uh, she's like oh you know what i'm sorry hon yeah, like I want to be mad at you, but yeah, yeah no, my, my my wife has a picture of your wife like next to the bathroom mirror, and every day she's like, she kind of just touches it for inspiration, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I don't, I, I don't blame her at all. So she sounds like a very smart lady. She sounds like a very smart lady. She's like, but uh, it's just this weird, just the weird arguments that just it. Yeah, if anything, I just I, the only thing I can think of is maybe it's because it's a minor inconvenience because this isn't a new thing. Like it just they've had to be vaccinated for like measles and mumps and all that stuff to even be in public school. So, but and it's just like in the movie where it's like that the parents are so angry and it's like they're not providing any solutions. They just want to be angry and they just want to bitch right. and they want to blame someone else, but they're coming to the table with nothing yeah well and it's it's kind of like what we talked about earlier you know in the in the in the podcast where i think it's especially the the issue of covid has been weaponized by the right and by right-wing media and it's just another and it's and they i don't know if i'd describe it as a tough job because it's not it's very easy because these a lot of people who like are on the far right and trump supporters or whatever they feel like the underdog because to some extent they recognize that there's this like class of wealthy elite who kind of make all these decisions, but they, they view it all as like politics and government and they fail to recognize like the corporate, uh, you know, the corporate aspect of it and the fact that it's all these yeah. wealthy billionaires. But anyway, so it's like they want to feel like victims and they want to feel like they're being wrong. They want to feel like the underdog and that they have some something that they can fight against. But but they're the status quo. Like they could not be everything they want, and that, and that's what conservative that's what conservatism is is maintaining the status quo, making it so things do not change. So even though people on the right want to feel like underdogs and they want to feel like they're fighting something, they're not. Like they're all everything they want and they stand by definition for, they are the establishment. They, exactly, they are the establishment. So you have, you know, people on the right. I think COVID and vaccines and everything. It's just the latest thing they've grabbed onto that's like, hey, this is this is oppression. This is tyranny. This is, you know, blah, blah. And it's just they're just spoon feeding people who want to feel like victims. Yeah. Reasons to feel like a victim, even though they're not, you know. Yeah. 
but to go back to go back to the woman uh, whose son was eaten by the shark, I have to say the special effects in that scene when the kid gets eaten by the shark, there's just so much blood. Like the whole area of the ocean around him is like bright ruby red. It's like it looks completely ridiculous. And there's like blood, like a blood fountain shooting out of the ocean, and it's like I don't know. It's 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 a lot, but it's entertaining. You know, there's like no reason it would look like that. Well, what you don't see because. What you don't see because Bruce was broken at the time was the the shark had put a bunch of blood capsules already in its mouth, and then it saw the kid, and it's just like, why not just do both? Right. And so like that, that's the extra blood, right? That, that makes you know, sense. Would would not be in such a tiny boy. <laughs> right. It was a lot of blood. And this, <laughs> there's the scene on the beach where where um, Brody is is just like watching everything, and he's. I was going to ask Noah actually a question about this because I don't know a lot about um, cinematography, but like there's the point where he's on the beach. It's like where everyone needs to get out of the water. Like the, this is where like the Kintner boy gets eaten. As soon as Brody realizes the situation, there's this like cool, like zooming in on him. What is there a word for that or a term? I'm sure there is. I'm not a cinematographer, but that's just, it changes cool, the right? lens. It changes the lens. So that way, yeah. So it's it. I, I I'm a big fan of that effect. I don't oh, know what that's specifically called, but yeah, that's. I love it. And, and you know when it's they should great. have done it works that so well. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say when when they should have done that was when this old man sits next to him and he has the weirdest man boobs I've ever seen. Yeah, that's like, Harry. No, no, Harry. It, it looks like let's get like two gym socks. <laughs> With like no, I don't mean his boobs are hairy. I mean his name is Harry because he's the one with the bad hat. <laughs> oh, okay. Bad hat yeah, Harry. bad hat Harry. Yeah, yeah. They like freak, bad hat freak Harry. my shit. <laughs> freak my shit. Freaked right out. You know, I, there was this um, the scene where the woman's child is is attacked. Uh, it reminds me of. Because, you know, everybody's, like, coming out of the water and everybody's looking to make sure their kids made it out of the water. And then, man, there's one time I went to one of the uh, one of the beaches in Chicago, right, on Lake Michigan there. And there was the lifeguards, like, a bunch of lifeguards came combing the beach and they were looking for a little girl. Like, this little girl had gone missing. And oh, her co- that's awful. It was awful. And her cousin, who was, like, maybe 10, like, he was young, too. Like twelve tops, he was he was pretty young, but apparently it was his younger cousin or something. This little girl, and he had lost her. He had lost track of her, so he went to find the lifeguards. And they were like, look, they were like, if you see a little girl who looks like she's alone, let us know. And I was like, Jesus Christ! So we're just like standing there, um, as they're as all the lifeguards are looking for this little girl, and it's and then like at that point you can't, you're like, I feel like I should do something. There's a little girl missing. But there's nothing you can do other than just like kind of stand there and look around and see yeah. if you see a random little girl. So we're all just like standing there. And then at one point, the mom comes up kind of near us and they're like giving her the lowdown on what's happened that her cousin. Lo- and I was like, man, I yeah, I, I, I mean, not to place blame anywhere at all, but like, man, I would not trust a small, tiny, like three or four year old. Let's just let him go off with a 10 year old at the lake. Like that seems yeah. like a bad idea. But she was like crying and hyperventilating and she got so worked up, she passed out and they like took her away on a stretcher. She left in an ambulance and I was Whoa. like, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is like, this is, ter-. I was like, 
I don't I can't do anything. I'm just standing here witnessing this terrible thing and there's nothing I can do to make it better. And and but so the cap on it is this would be a tragic story, but I'm I probably wouldn't even tell it if it I'm really hoping this ends on a happy note. If I'm, it weren't for the I'm fact on the edge of my friggin' seat. I know, no. So yeah, so I, the only reason I'm probably even telling this is that they did find the girl and they came up with oh. the girl and, 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 and they had her. So, but then like the lifeguards have this girl and her older cousin, but now the mom is like gone on an ambulance. And I was like, I don't know. So it was pretty wild. It was like one of the most intense things I've ever seen. And one, cause you want to do something, but you're like, there's literally nothing I could do right now, you know? Yeah. So, but the little girl was okay. She was fine. So well, good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. And then let's see. The only other thing I wanted to mention is. Uh, just when they're out, when they get, I love the scene where Hooper goes over to his house late at night and they're like hanging out, drinking and bonding. Yeah. That's just such a fun scene, you know, where these guys are like, you could tell there's like a, a fast friendship there. They really enjoy each other. Yeah. I can do whatever I want. I'm the chief of police. <laughs> right. Yeah. We'll go cut this shark open right now. Yeah. But, but I like that they go out in the boat that night and they're looking for sharks and he's like, oh, I'm getting something on my fish reader here oh it's probably just a bunch of mackerels probably just a school of match mackerels no big thing and then they come upon this boat that's like wrecked and sinking and they're like oh what what could have possibly happened here and i'm like bros you know you're out there looking for a man-eating shark why yeah we forget why we're here right exactly like do, do you you don't recall what you're doing out here they're like oh that's probably just fish uh who knows what happened here it's like no yeah. you're, you're you're looking specifically for a giant shark you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Spielberg had to adjust, he adjusted that scene a lot of a lot. Like that was actually made in his friend's like swimming pool. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that's right. It was in a swimming pool. Yep. Yeah, and and like, and it, because it wasn't getting like the jump scare that he wanted when like the severed head like floats through like the hole. Mm-hmm. And then it, it's like it's like Spielberg was like taking lots of notes, man, and like. It was like um, just like sciencing like a bunch of stuff about it because whenever the chum scene happened, we're like he's like chum in the water and then Jaws pops up. I love like that. it did not it did not get as big of a response as he thought it would because of that scene with the head. Really? Because audiences were like, yeah, a shark's gonna pop up, right? <laughs> you know, and it yeah. did. <laughs> Which is that's fine. It was, that's still a more iconic scene than the severed head one. Yeah. You know, this is before I even saw that movie. Actually, my mom still gives me shit about it to this day. We went on the Jaws ride at Universal Studios. I, did you guys ever go on that? I don't know if you've been. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but so there's like, and I was being, I was I don't know, thirteen or fourteen. So I was like being goofy. I was there with my friend, and I was like talking shit to the shark the whole time. I was like, "You don't scare me. Fuck you, shark. What the fuck are you gonna do?" Right. So we're like going around on this ride and there's one point where I was like talking shit to the water and then Jaws actually pops out of the water. <laughs> and that scene happened to me where it like scared me and I jumped back and, and my mom was like, oh, I thought you were a tough guy. you know. <laughs> Unless you guys have something else you wanted to discuss. I know we're running up against time here. We can go ahead and jump into headcanons. Did you guys have any ideas for uh, your headcanon? Brent, did you want to go ahead? You you, you had one he you said? He was so excited. I think he needs to go first. Well, I wanted to say um, just real quick if I could, Corey. Yeah. That and looking at YouTube clips of like research, you know, for research, I found um, I'd I'd seen the first Sharknado movie. Okay. <laughs> God. And I remember liking. I actually I do kind of remember liking it a bit. You know, like it was like funny and campy. Mm-hmm. But this this clip was like from like the fourth one. 
Okay. You know, it's like, it's, you know, Fast and Furious movies, people have been telling me they're just like so ridiculous that they're like funny and kind of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, it's it's Sharknado, but like, and I only saw this one scene and it's like of like these astronauts and they're in space. Okay. And then like suddenly like, like four dozen like sharks like float in space and it's like hit and bang against like the space station. Okay. And it is, it is such a funny clip. And then please look it up. <laughs> <laughs> but like suddenly like um the the i guess it's the main protagonist like his girlfriend or wife i don't know it's it's very out of context just gets eaten whole by like a like i guess like the main shark mm-hmm. or whatever <laughs> and and so then the, the the uh the protagonist guy like like grabs like a like a jet pack and like launches himself out of the space station towards the dying shark that's now like falling into the atmosphere and beginning to be sucked down with gravity right and, and like the shark is still like is, is still mobile and like chomping is it like glowing he, like, red hot <laughs> it's about to but he like zooms into its cavity right <laughs> and like he's like inside of its body as it's like entering the earth's atmosphere and burning up <laughs> and he's like searching around this like big like cavernous like bloody like mess <laughs> And he like punches a hole through the shark as, as it's like burning and going down, and like deploys like a parachute. Okay. So it's like a spiry mess, but he's like totally encased and safe in it, which is so ridiculous because it would be like vaporized. But anyway, it doesn't matter. But like deploys the deploys the the uh, the parachute and then like lands safely into some water, you know. Oh God, it was great. That sounds insane. I mean, you you laugh, but that's based on a true story. <laughs> it is, yes. And those goddamn those 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 heroes. The space sharks, yeah. Those space <laughs> heroes in the shark, yeah. <laughs> so wait, did so was that your headcanon, or did you have a headcanon? No, that was an actual movie. Oh, okay, that's okay. Yeah, no, I I've, guess like my, my head, I, I, I've been like more interested in our, in our conversation, to be quite honest, the whole time. Um, I but like if I didn't think like, what if because it's based on like um, Noah's like Australia isn't real. Like, what if, what if Jaws wasn't real? It was really just Richard Dreyfus was like a murdering lunatic, <laughs> right? It just framing a shark. Crime. Yeah, he's, got, I, he's like doing the oh, autopsy true. of people. Yeah, he just has to find a shark and say that's the one. Yeah, I yeah, and he's it. like also doing their autopsies and stuff, and like he knows like what to say and stuff. Yeah, or he could even dispose of the body parts. Just like go find a shark and toss toss it overboard. You know. Yeah, it's easy. He knows how they act. He knows what he needs to do to make it look like a shark attack. Yeah, he, he kno- studies them. Yeah. perfect crime. Yeah, he knows all about what does, the theory. What, what does Brody's wife talk, tell him when when she first meets him? Is it that like was she like I heard you're into shark? What did she say? She I said, missed that. She said she said wait I wrote it down. She she goes oh so my husband tells me you're in sharks. <laughs> yes, okay, that's right. you know, like, oh, so you're in insurance, or you're, in, you know, you're in, uh, you're you in know. shark. Yeah, you're in sharks. You're in the shark business. Yep. She's not wrong. <laughs> She's not wrong. Not no. at all. No. All right. Well, I'll go. I'll go ahead and give my uh, head unless you want to jump in, Noah. Go for right. it. Okay. So mine, mine, just very simple. I just like to imagine Quint before the shark came along, trying at, like every way he can to get ten thousand dollars, like. He sees a lady like carrying, she's like carrying her groceries home and he's like, I'll carry it home for you for $3,000. 
but I'll put it away in your refrigerator for 10. You know, just like, <laughs> he just goes, sees a guy with a yeah, flat tire. Yeah, he very tire. specifically needed that amount of money. Yeah, he had something going on. Like, he sees a guy with his Possibly tire flat. Possibly a lone shark. <laughs> Maybe that was yeah, it. I'm a dad now. I'm allowed dad jokes. It's fine. <laughs> Maybe that's why You're he here. went after the shark, because he borrowed money from the shark. And he had to go. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Oh shit! Take but, him out before he takes my, out my kneecaps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I just like to imagine, like going up to a guy on the side of the road with a flat tire. He's like, "I'll, I'll, I'll jack up your car for three thousand, but I'll change the whole tire for ten. You know. I can see that. I can see that. He was very oddly specific in the dollar amount that he wanted. Yeah, yeah. He needed ten thousand dollars for sure. You know, I heard that um, the, the the way they wanted to introduce the character of Quint was him like in a movie theater <laughs> laughing maniacally at Moby Dick yeah. the movie I read this on IMDb but they couldn't oh, this do is real act. that's awesome yeah yeah but like it was like gonna be in the movie and it, which sounds cool like yeah. and, and people like file out because they're like who's this crazy person laughing right he's like laughing at like the, the, how ridiculous it is of the portrayal but like the actor that played um, Ahab maybe oh I could be wrong but like one of the main actors in Moby Dick said, no, I hate my performance in that movie. You, no one should ever see this again. Oh, so they couldn't uh, get the rights. Point. They couldn't get the rights they to it. They couldn't get the rights to it, so they yeah. couldn't get that scene. That would have been cool, I think. Yeah. But, like, it was equally similar. Even though it was similar at the, you know, the town hall meeting yeah. they had, you know, where everyone was, like, yeah. real pissed off about how their kids have to wear masks at, at the Amityville uh, school. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it almost reminded me of the the joker scene in the dark night a little bit when he breaks into that crime meeting and he's like he's you know and they're like you you think you could just take our money and walk away he's like yeah <laughs> and, like, and he like i hate it when he does his voice it's so weird <laughs> and then he's like he's like why don't you call me when you uh, when you want to get a little more serious and he just like leaves a joker playing card like i I feel a lot of similarities between Quint and, and, and Heath Ledger's Joker. When you have ten thousand dollars, <laughs> yeah, give me a call. <laughs> yeah, give me a call when you have ten thousand dollars. <laughs> His voice needs to start acting, start sounding more like nerdy. Like um, when you have ten thousand dollars, put it in my Venmo account. Okay. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but we uh we delivered the bomb, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what about you, Noah? Do you have a Do you have a headcanon okay. you want to share? Yeah. Okay. I did not come prepared, but talking through this, I I think I have one, but it's it's a rabbit hole a little bit. So mm. just stick with me here. So my my headcanon on this is I think, and this is this isn't just for this movie. It's about the entire JCU, the Jaws cinematic universe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, my belief is that there's actually an Instead of just the four Jaws movies, there's the fifth one in the JCU, and that's Deep Blue Sea, where okay. they make the sharks smarter. And the reason Deepest why... blue is my hand is like a shark's <laughs> <laughs> And the reason why I think it's part of that is because in the fourth movie, Jaws the Revenge, mm-hmm. what it... So, I don't know if you remember seeing that, but basically the wife, who's traumatized by like basically all of her family being killed by sharks or death by shark-adjacent type of thing... She travels with her family to the Caribbean. Um, I think in the, the beginning of that movie, uh, her second son is killed by a shark. But her, she's taken on a vacation to the Caribbean. And when she's down there, uh, a relative of the shark from the first one 
goes down there to seek revenge on the Brody family. Oh, it's like the like <laughs> so, the Hatfields and McCoys. <laughs> so here's the deal: like what this implies, like because I can't imagine, I can't imagine that this isn't what they intended. Because if this isn't what they intended, then there had to have been like hundreds of people that would have stopped this stupid premise from happening instead of just being like, maybe it's a different shark, like unrelated. But like. What it implies is that the shark who sought revenge was so smart, probably scientifically like modified right. in that deep station, like deep station, deep blue sea thing. And what the shark did is in the middle of the night, after they had flown to the Caribbean in the middle of the night, he snuck up like on land on his tippy toes very quick. It had to be middle of the night or else you'd notice. I mean, it's a great white shark. Right. You notice yeah. this on the street. They can't just put a trench like, coat tip, on. Tippy toe, going to the Brody house digging through the trash, getting the flight itinerary, seeing where it is, grabbing their Rand McNally, Mm. plotting out a course all the way to the Caribbean, and then sneaking back into the water, and then making it all the way there to kill Mrs. Brody. Like, that has to be what they're implying, right? Because otherwise, that's a stupid premise. Right. Yeah. That makes absolutely... Yeah, total sense. Or maybe the shark even, he like snuck into a cargo. You would assume that he swam. But maybe he snuck into the cargo hold of a plane and just flew down there, you know? Yeah, true. I mean, and Amityville's small. Maybe, I mean, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he didn't sneak up into their house. Maybe he called the only travel agent in Amityville. Was like, excuse me, um, uh, I'm wondering. Uh, I'm part of the Brody family and I lost my itinerary. Like, right. I mean, it, it, so the, the fact is the shark would have to be like, extra intelligent yeah in order for this not to be like the dumbest premise for like any movie ever <laughs> so that has to mean that deep blue sea is part of the jcu yeah so my head i'm down yeah that makes total sense to me i'm on board i'm on yeah, board with too. this <laughs> that's what and I, I remember seeing that movie because I, I, I saw all the jaws movies when i was a kid i i, I know that i would like you know you go to the video store and rent movies i went through a you know a week or whatever where i watched all the jaws movies and, uh, and, and yeah, yeah, I thought it, thought it was interesting that in the fourth one, it, they like bring the wife back and she's the main character. Really. Yeah. I mean, and it's literally, it's a, it's a, they determine like it is a shark that's seeking revenge. Like yeah. they couldn't have made it just another shark right. that happens to be in the ocean. No. And aren't sharks like related. this? Aren't sharks like the stupidest animals? Like, don't they have like the most of a lizard brain that like, you could ever? They're just like, like eating machines. They're basically, right? a, and they have bad eyesight. They're basically a lethal Mr. Magoo. Yeah. <laughs> right. So aren't they impervious to cancer? I thought I read that one time. I feel like I've like, heard they just, that. They don't have cancer. I feel like that was also the premise of Deep Blue Sea, where it's like the reason they're trying to figure that out is because of them not having cancer or something to oh. do with cancer. I feel like oh, that was no. part of that. Right. That's deep blue sea is kind of cooler now. Yeah, I just remember that. I remember it having the best best death scene ever with Samuel Jackson. I remember that L.O. Cool J had a bird. <laughs> that, I don't Those know. are the three things that I remember. Is I it Anaconda or that movie where like instead of punching the guy, he like elbows them? It might be Anaconda. Oh, I mean, it probably isn't both. But, They're both cinematic masterpieces. That's like that his movie. Don't. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but that reminds me of, of one of my favorite comic book panels of all time with uh, uh, in the X-Men, the villains, uh, I think his name is Sauron. He's like a giant. He's a man that turns into a pterodactyl person. Right. And uh, and they're like, yeah. and, and they're like, 
one of the heroes is like, but you know, with with your powers, your abilities for genetic mu- you know mutation, you could cure cancer. And he says, but I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's a val- valid. Yeah. Follow your dreams, you know. Follow your yeah. dreams. <laughs> Next week, to coincide with the release of the fifth film in the Scream franchise, we are going to be covering the original 1996's Scream. So check that out before the episode next week. And as always, you can follow us on social media on Facebook at Danger Explosion Presents Headcanon, on Instagram at Headcanon Pod, on Twitter at Horror Movie Pod, or you can follow the subreddit r slash horror movie pod. Well, yeah. I, I want to wrap up and let you get going here, Noah, but it's it's been good talking to you, man. Good, good, good to see you. Um, is there anything else? Yeah, you, anything you want to plug or, or point people to before we, we leave here? Um, definitely check out the Coffee Time podcast with Noah Kinsey. Like I said, we'll have new episodes here relatively soon, um, but you can kind of catch up on some of those other episodes. Uh, Twitter, the Noah Kinsey. I guess Instagram is if you want to see a ton of pictures of me, my absolute wonderful wife, who is honestly is the best person I've ever met. Um, and yeah. then my two beautiful daughters, that's Noah J. Kinsey. But anything for my personal production company, it's Peer Left Productions. That's the name of that on Instagram. And it's Peer as in like, you know, on the beach, that, that type of peer. Right, so like Peer, peer One Imports. Yeah. So my personal <laughs> Noah J. Kinsey for Instagram and my uh, production company is Peer Left Productions. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Well, again, good having you, man. Thanks for coming on uh, and talking one of the uh, the classic, classic, not only classic horror movies, but just one of the most classic movies of all time. And uh, so, th- yeah. yeah, I had a great time. I haven't talked to you guys in years, so this is yeah. wonderful. Thank you so a much for inviting guest. me to be on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Classic guests, classic movies. All right. Well, everybody, uh, th- and thank you, listeners, for listening. This has been Head Cannon. <laughs> <laughs>